Yes, folks, you heard the music. That means it's got to be Thursday, 5 p.m. Eastern. This is Pillars of Franchising. I'm Fred McMurray, and my co-host, Ray Pillar, going to tell you the secrets of franchising success. Ray, we seem to be minus Holly again, so we'll have to limp along. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing great, Fred. How about you? It's another Thursday. Oh, one it other, is. another good thing is, is I saw a whole bunch of guys in hard hat. Sorry, uh, men and women, or uh, this is California. People, so. people, people, people in hard hats. <laughs> Non-gender specific people in hard hats looking at the power lines, which I'm hoping that means they're just planning to take the one down. But I don't know. I could disappear. So just as a warning. You don't have um, an option. You don't, you don't have enough? Uh, it, no matter what, it'd take out the internet because uh, they'd be taking true. down that whole utility pole and moving it. So yeah. I think we're okay, but just a fair warning. So uh, yeah. it's another, it's been another Ray weather day. You know, it started out yeah. foggy yeah. and had the hoodie on, and now it's bright and sunny out, and you're, and we're on. So it's Ray weather. Yeah. So. Where are you at, and is it hot and steamy? It is not hot. Well, yeah, it is kind of hot and steamy, but it's not steamy. Let me put it that way. It's 87.4 degrees here in sunny, sunny Aurora, Illinois, uh, the, the home base for this portion of Pillars of Franchising, anyway, and uh, enjoying some great weather here. Uh, I wish it was a little cooler. Um, let's see, last weekend uh, I had a chance to do some glamping at Big Rock Campground just a few miles from here. So enjoyed the weather there, enjoyed family coming out to visit the campground. So what have you been up to, Fred? Well, uh, I know. Working on the next trip there, getting uh, the work-life balance event uh, end of this month, uh, often scheduled with Chicago folks, uh, working on next week's knock on wood, uh, simulcasting Facebook, YouTube, RC2, Periscope, and LinkedIn. Wow. So every, everyone will be able to see our smiling faces. Uh, uh, hopefully they'll be able to see mine. I don't know. I'll be in Ironwood, Michigan. Uh, not sure about what kind of a connection I'll have, but uh, hopefully I'll at least have audio. And, okay, uh, so look- Go ahead. you got to send me a picture of the background so that way I can put it up in my virtual background and people can see the... Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> so... We got two really um, great guests today, so yeah. how about you want to introduce our first guest? I'd be happy to do that. We'd like to welcome Mary Jo Larson to the show. Uh, Mary Jo is the publisher and vice president of Franchise Times. Welcome, Mary Jo. Welcome, Mary Thank Jo. Thank you. Appreciate being here. A lot of fun. So yeah, we try to make it that way. <laughs> the 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 
first two questions um, everyone get, gets asked is, where are you and what's the weather? This is the pillars of weather part of the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I live in Minnesota, and I'm in the Twin <laughs> Cities here, and we love to talk about weather here. So I'm so glad that's your first question. We It is 77 and sunny, beautiful, low humidity, Ooh. couldn't be more perfect. This This is the weather we dream about in January. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, so yeah. That, that's where I wanna, that's my next question um, uh, I wanna ask actually of you is that, so in that January weather, and I understand Chicago weather, I'm usually back there, um, stupid me, California to Chicago, but um, what's the, weather you're afraid of in January? What is the what am I most afraid of? Weather you're afraid. Of. Yeah, what's the oh, weather? Weather in... I'm afraid of. Uh, ten below zero. Okay. And windy, and uh, I think I can snow. Snowstorms are sometimes not fun either, but um, it, when you can't even walk down the street, that's the, you know because you're gonna it's unsafe because of the the temperature. That's that's what I would be afraid of. Fair enough. I can respect that, Ray. Yeah, I, I think when I grow old and retire, I'm going to move north because I can't stand this heat. 87 <laughs> degrees down here. Come on up, Ray. Come on up. Yeah. Ontario's looking pretty good right now. So. <laughs> but it's always about 78 on the coast. 70s, actually 72 to 78 on the coast. It never has the snow. So enough weather. Um, yeah, we're, so, we're, not, we're not talking about the left coast right now. Yeah, let me alone. It's the weather, dude. It's the weather. So franchise times. Mm-hmm. Tell us about it. Tell our listeners yeah. why they should be coming and reading franchise times. Oh, because it's the best trade magazine out there um it's 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 what i like to say it's not a boring trade rag a lot of you look at a lot of industries and they have a you know they're it's just you know contributed articles and people um you know not really understanding the people side of the business and what we do is we really focus on the people why is franchising interesting it's because of the people behind these businesses and so we like to talk about the success stories and even you know we like to to ask them you know about their challenges and some of these stories and and what they go through is very interesting so i would say reading franchise times it's inspirational um and it also gives you a lot of great knowledge about how to run your business Ooh. Yeah, that just sounds like it's something like the show because uh, <laughs> I, 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 really because I, I think uh, a lot of our listeners like to listen to us simply because they want to find out why someone chose a particular franchise or why they decided to get in franchising to begin to begin mm-hmm. with or why they mm-hmm. what what is the what is their background how did they get started what's what's the story behind them being where they're at right now. And and that's why I think a lot of people like to listen to our show. So, right, Fred? I would agree. If you're a listener and and you're a um, reader of Franchise Times, make sure you hit the website and ask a question. We'll make sure it gets on. Mm-hmm. 
Ray. So, why? Let me ask you, uh, Mary Jo. Why? Why franchising at all? Why does a person get into franchising? Give and and give us a little bit more insight into your magazine as well. Right. Well, I like franchising. Um, there's so many things about franchising that are interesting, and why franchising. Um, first of all, it it encompasses a variety of industries. So we're not just talking about restaurants. We're not just talking about hotels. Um, there's so many different franchises out there, and they're not all created equal. Uh, some, you know, go by the wayside, and we report on that as well. And others become booming success stories. Uh, there's one, for instance, like Orange Theory Fitness, who has really that brand has really taken off and that surprised me a little bit at the time because it's very niche oriented but it is it is really uh gone gangbusters and so it's it's just that type of story to me is really interesting and then again always the people these founders um take risks they take risks with their money, be they franchisor or franchisee, because I do believe franchisees take risks because they're putting the, their money out there and their capital. And so a lot of times it's their their life savings. Sometimes it's their retirement. And so I do believe they're, they're risk takers. And so to me that's interesting as well. What drove them to do that? And there's so many reasons why why people buy into a franchise and why founders of franchises start these companies. So it's all, it's all, to me, it's just so much more fun than, you know, a manufacturing story, for instance. So it's a different kind of business. Yep. Yep. So uh, what would you say your readership, um, so there's small franchises, large, sorry. I guess my first question is, is the, uh, what you call emergent emerging franchises um, or brands versus Mm -hmm. the large scale established ones, which ones do you think are more important or more interesting to your readership? You know, I think it depends on what you're looking for, for, for interesting. I think if you're looking for that success story and now I have, you know, I started out as, the dishwasher, and now I have 50 Wendy's. I think those stories are super inspirational, and oh, yeah. that's what will you know that, those kind. And how did they get there? And how did they, how did they do that? How did they access capital? Uh, that type of thing. So I think those are very inspirational because doesn't everybody want to be like that? And then I think for the emerging franchises, I think they're interesting in a different for a different reason because they're new. These you know, used to think of used to think of franchising. You know, 20 years ago was main, mainly restaurants, and still restaurants are a large portion of franchising. But now there's all these other different industries. For instance, um, we have a couple hatchet throwing franchises that are out there that we've reported on, where you throw hatchets for fun, and you there's clubs and leagues, and those are franchises. <laughs> And so to wow. me, that's that's different than the guy who owns 50 Wendy's, but <laughs> learning about these oddball franchises. And then also um, other emerging franchises uh, like 
um, Nine Round Fitness is another one that comes to mind uh, that's a boxing franchise. You know, those are, this is all new, and all of these things are, are coming up that are, that are new and interesting, all these types of industries. Okay, so I got to think there, um, their liability insurance at a hatchet-throwing franchise has got to be high. I would think that, and especially they're adding alcohol. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so I would tell you, <laughs> I don't know what their insurance rates are, but uh, I'm sure they, I'm sure they've dealt with that. Oh, yeah. that seems dumb and dumber. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that that's one of my, that's one of my favorites. Can you imagine going into an ER with an hatchet in your chest and, and explaining that to somebody? <laughs> uh, although it does, it does remind me of the movie Fight Club. You know, uh, uh, no one talks about Hatchet Club. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> so okay. So, you know, uh, Mary Jo, you mentioned something earlier about a fitness, or I think you said Orange Fitness. What? Orange Theory. Unusual. Uh, or, or, orchard? Orange Theory. Orange. Yeah. Okay, what is their unusual thing? Well, they're a niche, so they would be somewhere, a lot of times they're in, you know, you would see them in a strip, strip mall or something like that. Mm-hmm. So they're a smaller they're smaller footprint type of, they're not like a Planet Fitness, a bigger box okay. franchise. Yeah, yeah. It's a smaller footprint. And it's a, from what I understand, it's a circuit. And you, you, you're in a class with other people. There's a lot of camaraderie. Um, I think there's the, I'm not sure, I'm probably saying this wrong, but the, the T, TX straps or X straps, those are those straps that you use to, you know, you lift your body weight and things like that. Oh. So um, it's, but it's a class and it's very, um, like I said, it's, it, and it's not an easy workout. I understand it's a very yeah. difficult workout. And so people are really um, getting a good, good workout when they're there. So staying in the, the, I guess, would you consider that health, health and wellness vertical? Um, um, mm-hmm. Yes. Health and beauty. Is what we say. All right. Yeah. So that's that's a what, hot one. That's a hot one. That's a hot mm-hmm. one. What? Who's who's hot within the sector? Um, Orange Theory Fitness is in the sector the top the top fastest growing franchise. They did about seven hundred and thirty nine million in okay. sales last year in revenue. So they're the top. Nine Round is another one. That's why I mentioned them. Um, health and beauty. So amazing lash. So this is where amazing lash studio, where they put false eyelashes or eyelash extensions on you. That one really surprised me too, because it was so niche, but it, they did 90 million in revenue and it was one of our fastest growing franchises last year that we tracked. Um, that's one of our, uh, research projects that we do called the the fast and serious ranking. So these are the fastest growing franchises 
over the last year, and uh, Amazing Lash was one of those. So those are some of the top ones in health and beauty. Wow. Every time I hear, every time I hear about these niche-type franchises, it brings to memory the Saturday night skit where they had the Scotch tape store. I don't know if anybody remembers. Ah, uh, yes, <laughs> Yes, I do remember that. It is a little bit like that. Yeah. Okay. So on that note, uh, we'll um, time to pay the bills. Um, we'll tell our listeners three two three five eight zero five seven five five. That's 323-580-5755, or you can chat the website. I am, I got one or two computer screens watching it, so uh, those of you who are on the site, throw your questions in. Uh, thank the Link Local Network for broadcasting us and hopefully helping us to get to live video simulcast at uh, pillarsoffranchising.com. So our first sponsor. Ever wonder how successful business people get educated about franchise business options? The Franchise Consulting Company is a group of over 100 franchise professionals with more than 2,000 years of franchise experience. We help our clients select and investigate franchise companies. And like a realtor, our services are free of charge to you. Our fees are paid by the seller. Reach out to us to learn more and get a free copy of the Franchise MBA, the number one bestseller and highest-reviewed book on Amazon in the franchise category. Our website is thefranchiseconsultingcompany.com, or feel free to call us on 800-321-6072. And as a reminder, you don't even have to go there. You can just go to the Pillars of Franchising site, or pillarsoffranchising.com or linklocalnetwork.com. Fill out the form, and we'll get you the same book. And now a word from our friend Abel. Are you thinking about opening a business? Whether you're in transition from a corporate job, looking to generate investment income, add to your existing business, or just too young to retire, come to the Great American Franchise Expo and explore your options. Meet face-to-face with dozens of franchise executives representing dozens of quality brands. A wide range of price points and ownership models are available. Attend our free seminars on accounting, real estate, and marketing. Franchise law experts will be there to answer your questions, and banks are on hand to discuss loans and financing. The first 100 attendees will receive free VR goggles. For free tickets, visit www.franexpousa.com. The Great American Franchise Expo, coming to a city near you in 2019. Check our website for schedules. As Abel said, we've got a Great American Franchise Expo coming up in Jacksonville, Florida, September 8th and 9th at the Prime Osborne Center, Convention Center, sorry, and then October 5th and 6th at the Delos Expo Center in Washington, D.C. We're back with our guest, Mary Jo Larson, uh, publisher and top guru at Franchise Times. <laughs> so, uh, Mary Jo, my, my, there's a, I, I don't know, I got to tell you, I love the, the article on Arby's, um, the Area 51 uh, raid. 
Um, I love that article. Um, that's, I think, going to become one of my default questions of what are you doing to help prepare for Area 51 raid? That's just awesome. <laughs> I think you should ask every guest that. I, like I said, that's going to go into the um, – I can't ask you for that, so um, I'll ask you one of my normal weird questions. Um, so have you seen any um, signs of the zombie apocalypse? I, you know what, I haven't. I try to ignore all the zombie shows, but I do know that if a zombie apocalypse comes, I know where I'm going. Where okay. I'm gonna hide out. Go ahead. Uh, I, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm going to run to my favorite place in the world, which is Italy, and uh, I guess if I'm gonna be attacked by a, a, a zombie apocalypse, it might as well be somewhere great when I'm eating pasta. I can't argue that logic. I think my daughter <laughs> might uh, might say she loved going to Italy, so I, I could see that. Um, so how did you get to public, be publisher of Franchise Times? Well, I was working for the res- – Restaurant Finance Monitor, which is our sister publication that goes out to multi-unit franchise operators, restaurant operators, and we talk about finance and real estate development and that, and we still have that, and I still work on that. Um, And we decided to put together um, a conference on franchises and financing, and so we contacted the owners of Franchise Times. This was in 1997 or 98. We contacted the owner of Franchise Times, which is Crane Communications in Chicago, which is a trade magazine and business publication company. And they had Franchise Times, and so they agreed. They would be the publication behind it, and we would put on a finance conference. We had a lot of, because of the monitor, we had a lot of um, contacts in the finance area. And about two months before we were going to put the conference on, Crane Communications closed the doors to Franchise Times. They shut it down. And so we did the conference anyway all by ourselves without the backing of Crane Communications. And uh, we approached them and said we'd like to buy it. And long story short, we launched it. We bought it from them in 98, and we launched it January of 99. Awesome. Success story. Mm Mm-hmm. And I had no idea what I was doing, and uh, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> well, you just described Ray's and my show and Holly's uh, when she's around, so yeah. Um, yeah. we can understand that. <laughs> <laughs> you just you just do it. <laughs> so, so I, I need uh, uh, Mary Jo. I just need to ask: Have you ever heard of Fire Chief Magazine? I have not. Oh, okay. That's okay, because uh, one of the uh, my uh, fellow co-owners, uh, Molly Maid, his wife is, uh, I believe she is uh, higher up in that magazine, maybe the editor. So I just thought I'd mention that. That's all. Mm, sounds interesting. <laughs> See, that would be a lot so, of fun Mr. to read that. I bet. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I, I would imagine. So. Well, our show proves so, you can make any topic more fun if you try. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
what trends do you see um, happening in, in franchising? Um, I think, what, you know, it depends on if you're looking at um, trends that are challenges, trends that are successful. I think, you know, we've yes. already talked about health and beauty and mm-hmm. how that's a trend. And, you know, we see that sector growing, um, not just because of the, the fitness and gyms, but also aging baby boomers. You know, we've got senior care is, as you know, um, that's not really a new story anymore, but it's still growing. So, um, you know, that was up 11.4% last year. So over last year in revenue for those concepts. So that's definitely something we're seeing. Um, and education and childcare, that's another sector that keeps performing well. Um, restaurants, for the most part, we've seen that restaurants are up, um, although, you know, we feel like that there could be some shakeout. There's a lot of empty seats out there in the restaurant world, but that sales of the, the um, sector in general have improved. I would say the things that, you know, the trends that we're seeing that are working against people are going to be still that fighting for labor, and that's always an issue over the last few years, and then also the pressure with wages. Those are two things that people, trends that, you know, people are still fighting against. And I think the one nice thing is that there's been more access to capital for people um, to open new locations in a lot of these sectors but i think that could be slowing so we'll we'll be watching that as well where do you find where do you see most franchise and i'm assuming this it, there's a differential between the you know your home-based franchises or a multi-unit restaurant chain um where do mm-hmm. you see you know given those two extremes uh, what at the low end, what at the high end do you see people going, where do you see them going for capital? Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting. Uh, I think that the SBA is still a really good option for all of those folks that are in the, their, you know, their startups or, you know, they're on their second or third location in some of these service franchises, et cetera. Um, restaurants are always um, – you know, there's always a if you have a franchise finance group within your bank, um, restaurants have need a lot of capital, and so um, banks like Wells Fargo and Bank of America and and some of those names all have restaurant finance groups. But those are going to be for the larger franchisees. And then if you're a franchisor, I see you know a lot of private equity coming in and and providing some growth capital to those folks. And I, I do, we do see the, um, the younger franchise franchisees also using their 401ks, their rollover financing, that type of thing. Ray, and you finance well, yours, my friend? Uh, partially, um, mostly self-financed with the 401k, but, um, the question I have for Mary Jo, though, is uh, basically what constitutes, or from your perspective, from your, where you sit in your magazine, uh, what constitutes and, and what contributes to a success, successful franchise? 
that's a really good question. I get asked that a lot, and I always say manageable royalties first of all, um, because the franchisor, the franchisee is looking at a at a franchise. Um, that royalty comes off the top, comes off the top of your revenues. It's off your growth, and so I always say to people, look at manageable royalties. Um, are, and then if they're going to have like an ad fund, what are you getting for your ad fund? Because that's going to be another 1% to 2% on top of your royalties. So I would say that would be number one. I would also say franchisors that um, help with those, those services. Sometimes younger franchisors don't have the bandwidth to help with advertising and other marketing. So you have to take a look at that. Um, a lot of franchisees aren't expert, experts on real estate. Is their franchisor helping them uh, do site selection? Are they helping them negotiate the lease or finding somebody that can help them negotiate the lease? Because a lot of franchisees have never done that before. So real estate support services. I know that years ago I interviewed Jimmy John Leoto, who's the founder of Jimmy John's. And one of the things that he found successful was offering really good field support. So he would have a, a number of field people out there and they would visit, they would have to visit so many franchisees every month. And when they went in, they were charged with, they needed to leave the restaurant better than when they got there. So was there something that needed to be fixed? Was there something, not just telling the owner what to fix, but actually helping them fix it? So really getting in there and helping the owner do better by having that field support. And I think also te technology is huge. What kind of technology in this day and age is your franchisor offering? And I just a really strong communication network as well. So I think those are all things that franchisees should be looking for in a successful franchisor. Support is one of the main reasons people go ahead and get into a franchise. Uh, most people are pretty much neophytes about the particular franchise they're getting into, especially if it's their first one. But mm -hmm. one, one of the questions that I, I, I was wondering if you can help elaborate a little bit on is what, what, what do you mean by manageable royalties? Ooh. Um, well, you're going to make me say it out loud. I think we start to get up to 8%, and then you have another couple percent for an ad fund, and there might be another fund that you might need to, to um, pay into. I think that starts, when you start talking 10% off the top without, you know, that's, I think that's, that's difficult that there better be, I would say, for that kind of, those kind of royalties, I think there should be a lot of support for that. Mm -hmm. uh, so support being uh, exactly, you know, what what are we talking about? Uh, you know, if, if things are going south and things aren't going so well, uh, can they waive the, the royalty fee? Or is that what you mean by manageable? Um, I mean that what I mean by manageable is um, you're you're doing more than just making a living. You're okay. so when you pay that royalty and it's and it's you know it's off the top and that's hard sometimes. 
you're still making a really good you're still making a really good profit. There are some franchises that you're really just buying yourself a job, and that's okay if you know that going into it. But if you're only going to make, you know, $45,000 a year, you know, that's there there are a lot of work for that. So yep. Yep. um yeah. you know, so I would I would say I would say that it has to be a royalty that you can you you can you can cover that nut every month mm-hmm. is what I'm yeah. easily do give that to them and be kind of oh, happy you're doing okay. it because they're providing all that support. Yep, yep, That's, yeah, and you got to feel you're getting your bang for your buck. So mm-hmm. for you know exactly for for, for your six, seven, eight, nine percent, whatever you're paying. You mm-hmm. need to, uh, 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 like the visitor, uh, the one you just said about Jimmy John's, visiting them uh, every so often. I think that mm-hmm. that would certainly make the franchisee feel that he's getting something for his money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. All right. So this seems to be like the perfect time since we've been talking about finances. Um, to ask one of the most dreaded questions, but since you've already handled the zombie question quite well, um, uh, I'm not worried about it. Um, FDD, uh, greatest cure to mankind for insomnia or a useful tool? What items do you recommend a new franchisee read first? Your top three. A top three. I would say item 19, which is the earnings claim, earnings claims. That's what we're all interested in, right? I, you probably knew I was going to say that. Um, I would say item 11, franchisor assistance. What does, this, we've just had, you know, a long conversation on that. What does the franchisor provide? And then I would also say item three, litigation. I, if the lit, you know, everybody's going to have litigation, but if it looks like it's onerous litigation. Um, and there's a lot of it, and it's unresolved. I would a lot of unresolved litigation. I would say that's something to look at. So those would be my my top three. But also, I would throw in if I could throw in a fourth one as item two, the business experience. If this is a smaller franchise, the business experience of the founders. Uh, that's that one has been in a usually there's there's been multiple selections of an item two. Has to be experience there, Ray. You never worried about uh, the experience of your franchisor. No, not at all. But item three is my favorite of all time because I think it's it's sort of like the uh, insight into the back room, so to speak. I agree. So, yeah. my my follow up question on that is: Do you find most franchisees actually read the FDD before they um, buy? Or are they more worried about the culture um, that they see on the discovery day? You know, I really don't know. From what I understand from um, some of the attorneys out there, uh, the franchisee attorneys, is that sometimes they fall in love with the franchise and you can't talk them out of it. And even if you, you know, can show them things, they've fallen in love with it, you know, and... um, you can't you can't be dissuaded from purchasing it, and I think that's where the FDD. You know, we always tell people if I I have had franchise potential franchisees email me, call me, and I always say it's boring, but you should read it. Don't just have your attorney read it. 
you read it. And yep. Ray, so then my follow, uh, my next question, I would say, I won't keep following up with the follow up, is one of Ray's other um, Ray's rules is to um, call many of the current and uh, former franchisees uh, from the FDD. So how many people do you think actually do do that? Or do they just fall in love with it and, and say, this is mine? I don't think a lot, and maybe Ray can answer this better than I can, but I don't think a lot of franchisees do that. I think that, and if they do, um, it's hard work to do that because they don't always answer. They're busy, you know, and you do that a couple of times and you want to move on. You've, you've decided you want to buy this franchise. So I think, I don't know that a lot of people do that. I, I think she's right. Uh, I'm kind of unusual in that respect because even <laughs> when, I, when I was uh, having a house built, I actually interviewed my neighbors, so I, you know, <laughs> to find out if I'm living next to an axe murderer or something. <laughs> but, uh, the answer so was yes. I, uh, and yeah. Built. <laughs> I, I actually interviewed uh, five, I believe five or six actual franchises, uh, uh, that were in operation and, and five that had uh, had come and gone already, uh, hoping to find some uh, some negative thing that was significant to say you know to put on the negative side of the uh, balance sheet uh, you know the the checklist. But uh, fortunately, uh, everyone I did call, even on the negative side, said no, it wasn't kind of business for me or. Uh, you know, some excuse other than the franchises or did something wrong, which really impressed me. And did you have a question there, my good man? <laughs> I guess not. <laughs> it's a statement. It's a statement, Fred. I make statements. Not okay. That was good infor that was good information though. I think you got what, three or four on each side of the equation? Uh, one that was closed and one that people that had yeah, closed no, I, and people that yeah, were. No, it's about five and five, actually. Yeah, uh, that's I did good. A lot of, did a, yeah, I did a lot of due diligence, and I do mm -hmm. encourage people to do that. Because right. Because in reality, and I personally visited, you know, I, I was talking about calling these people, but then I also personally visited three in, in operation uh, to get an, uh, an idea of what their operation was like. And you know how to model my operation as well. So some people, some people even suggest working in somebody else's franchise. Oh, that makes and, sense. Yeah. And sort seeing like if you know thing, if yeah. you, yeah, if you want to do, if you want to have a hamburger restaurant, you should be able to flip burgers and know that that's something yeah. you want to do. Yeah, absolutely. And go home smelling like a French fry too. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, I don't need the cholesterol additional will kill me. So as as we've been talking about this, that uh, we've been talking about uh, choosing the right opportunity, uh, which is the first pillar, and the the the, the goal of all the pillars is to uh, produce a successful franchisee. What contributes to that? To a successful franchisee. So if you're a franchisor and you're looking for a franchisee, I, I would say, um, you know, the younger franchise franchise concepts, there's that old saying, and I'm sure you guys have 
talked about this on the show is, you know, anyone who can fog a mirror. And so usually that's, that's not what you want to do. But younger franchisors are so excited that they have somebody interested in their franchise that they want to sell it to that person. And, and even if they have a little gut feeling that that might not be the right person, they do it anyway. And then they spend a lot of their time um, managing that franchisee. And it's, you know, it's just been a bad fit. And then it's costly and just a big headache to get that person out of the system. So franchisors really need to have a list of things that they want in a franchisee and they should really stick to that. Um, it's different for every concept out there. A lot of times it's all about culture and the cultural fit. They also have to be well capitalized. I would say um, that's something that younger franchisors make, uh, make a mistake with is sometimes their franchisees aren't well capitalized enough. This person should be able to spend you know, a year or so in that franchise without making any money. Um, take home and so um, you need to be able to to and those you know it's it's easy to sign up a franchisee so I would say really understanding who you want as a franchisee and some of them want multi-unit franchisees and some of them want you know a franchisee that owns one or two because they want them in the stores so it just you you have to do what you you as a franchise think is best and what will work for you, but you really have to stick with it, even early on when you just really want to sign those first franchisees up. Interesting. It's true. It's true. So See, you had mentioned – go ahead, Ray. No, I, I was just going to say, uh, is it time to pay the bills? No, we're we're good for right now. Oh, my God. I got all oh, okay. of them bi- okay. built earlier. Um, so we got two more <laughs> later, so we'll do that in, in a bit. Um, so did you have another question besides telling me to run the commercials? <laughs> yeah, uh, do you, uh, one, a couple of things that we always talk about on the show is culture, and and uh, you find that uh, there are a lot of franchises out there who, who actually look for a person who is uh, fits the culture, or do they basically if they're so hungry they just grab anybody with a few dollars? Mm-hmm. I would say that um, you know organizations like the International Franchise Association has a, done a good job of you know networking franchisors together so that somebody who's been around longer can maybe mentor the younger franchise franchisors and you know reading magazines like ours it just getting that information out there that you know it's going to be it's going to be a decision you will regret if you get a wrong fit in there and it because it's just like I said it's costly it takes you away from the things that you want to do to grow your uh, – it takes you away from the successful people you want to help grow. Um, and it's just painful. And so um, I do think that they talk about culture more now and marrying those marrying those two things and really working with what kind of franchisee do you want to have as far as personality and that type of thing. I think 
I think franchisors are becoming more sophisticated, but it's just those franchisors that are just starting out where it's really, that's really difficult. And they're going to make some missteps. Those are going to be hard lessons to learn. And I think everybody does it. So, all right. So I like that. Um, I like that answer. Uh, my question goes to uh, people buying franchises. Um, or even becoming franchisors, uh, but how is how are the millennials, or what are the age groups that you see are fastest growing? You know, it's interesting. I don't know what age group is fastest growing because we see different people at different stages of life that are are buying franchises, if we're going to talk about buying them and being uh-huh. franchisees. I think there was a trend a few years ago when, you know, when the Great Recession hit, parents were buying their kids' franchises because their kids couldn't get a job. Okay. And so that was a trend. So those were probably, um, I don't know if those would have been millennials or Gen Xers, but they were they were there was that trend. I do think retirement a lot of people are still the baby boomers still want to work, and um the baby boomers are starting to be on the younger end of that scale now that that are starting to retire, and they they still want to work, they still want to be useful, they still feel like they have a lot to give, so I would say there's still there's still growth there um but I think millennials I think millennials are. A hungry group. They, there's a lot of things people say about millennials that I think are um, exaggerated, and and I feel like the millennials I work with are really hard drivers, and I think they'd be a great group to go after. Um, our our July Fourth uh, episode with um, uh, on millennials was actually the highest rated or highest uh, listened to show of the month, actually, Ray, if you didn't know that. I didn't. Always like to be educational. Not always entertaining, but <laughs> always try to be educational. So, all right, so we talked about age groups. Uh, talk to us about uh, women. Um, our audience is about 40% women. So uh, where do you, is women ownership in franchises a growing thing? And any ideas on where they tend to buy? Um, I, I think that, yes, I, it's definitely a growing area. I think that um, they, I think what women are doing is trying to go after passion and what fulfills them. And I think that's, you know, the restaurants area is, I don't know if that's the area that they are going after as much as something like um, business services, personal services, things along those lines. We see a lot more women franchisees trying to solve business problems, trying to solve personal problems of the consumer, um, and that's where they that's where they have gravitated to. Ray. Well, that brings to mind a question about um, – how many franchises do you see out there that part of their franchise is a benevolent association or some sort of uh, support for a cause? Uh, oh, yeah. I think a lot of franchises are 
doing a charitable, have a charitable effort going. Um, we see it all the time. IFA is, and we are, we write about that. IFA has a franchising gives back um, contest that they do where franchisors submit franchise their efforts, their give back efforts. And I think everywhere in franchising, even the suppliers are doing a lot of that with their businesses too. I, I know an investment banker who um, he and his uh, crew, and it's like a boutique investment bank, very small, um, just recently gave wrote $100,000 in checks to um, a variety of charities based on their clients, based on what their clients were looking for in, in charities, some of their favorite charities. So I do believe that it's more important than ever, and I think that will attract millennial millennial franchisees. So do you suggest that anybody who is looking for a franchise also put that on their checklist to see if the uh, franchisor has some sort of a connection with the benevolent uh, charitable organization? I think if I think if that's part of your culture, I don't know that I would force that, but if it's part of your culture and it's part of what you truly believe, I think you sh- I think you should do that and I think you should find if you're a potential franchisee and that's important to you, I think you should find a franchisor who does that because then there's going to be, that's even a better cultural fit then. Yep. Yep. So I will tell you, Ray, of the last quarter of the um, episode on uh, domestic violence awareness, which you support was actually one of the most in the top three, was in the top three of the last uh, listening quarter. Didn't know that either. Did you? Uh, another little tidbit there. Uh, uh-huh. Domestic violence awareness is, is uh, one of the things that nobody wants to talk about, and that's one of the reasons why uh, my wife and I chose the particular franchise we did uh, because of that. Uh, it's just not talked about enough. A lot of people don't realize there is help out there. Mm-hmm. That's great so, that you did that. All right, Ray, so I'll give you some hassle without – no, I was just going to tie in a joke with the hatchet-throwing franchise. You buying a hatchet-throwing <laughs> franchise, which probably wouldn't be a good thing to do. So no, I no, won't no. go there. Uh, I, I, uh, I won't go there. Um, all right, so you got a last question, Ray? Sure. Uh, someone who wants to know more about your magazine uh, or a- anything regarding franchising, how do we get a hold of you? You can. I would love if they would. I, I'd glad to have them email me directly um, rather than just going on our website. I'd love to have them on our website reading our things, franchisetimes.com and our articles, and we've got a lot of great stuff out there. Um, any listener to your show that wants a free subscription, I'm glad to do that. They can just email me at mlarson, L-A-R-S-O-N, at franchisetimes.com. Dot com. Glad to glad to get them signed up for a free subscription, Ooh, or answer we'll any that. questions they have. I I would be glad to answer franchising questions too. And as well, much of that information will be found found on the Pillars of Franchising website. Is that not correct, Fred? That's correct. Fred's just taking a note to make sure he gets it up there. Otherwise, it, 
no one will be able to avail themselves. Yes. Okay. So um, my last question after saying that originally your first guest appearance is supposed to be on the women in franchising um, uh, episode, and we're going to have one coming up next quarter. So we definitely want you back to um, uh, participate in that show if you would. Um, you don't have to answer me now, but um, so Mike <laughs> would love to do it. Um, awesome, I love it when people do that. Don't want to pressure, no pressure. So my last question is what I call the Addison question. Um, Addison is the the little girl that makes me go pity pat, and my world stops when I'm around her. She's my uh, twenty twenty two month old or twenty month old granddaughter. Uh, as a woman in franchising, woman professional. What advice would you give to her um, as she grows up? That's a great things that I wish I could have known. I would say um, be okay with your with your lack of knowledge. Don't be scared when you don't know something. Sometimes when we get when we're young, we feel like we have to know, and we really don't. So ask questions. Nobody expects you to know everything, and I think I've learned over the years, and now that I'm older, I I know I can ask questions and not be scared to do that, and I think it will make me look bad. Um, so I think young people ask questions and make sure that you align yourself with good people, good people that will help you, and then also you can be helping others. So always make sure you're – giving a hand to somebody else. Those would be big things that that have helped me over the years and uh, kind of uh, as I've grown up in this business. Uh, that's an um, awesome answer. I, you know, I know I might end up compiling all these as advice to Addison. Um, well, thank you for being on the show. Um, I promise you, I'll get you out in an hour, so we're, we're <laughs> We're good on time. I um, want to thank you, Ray. Um, yeah. She yeah. rocks, Thanks, doesn't Mary she? Jo. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. Thanks for being on the show, Mary Jo. Yeah, Appreciate thank you, guys. It's a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. Uh, I hope to um, have you back soon. And, and actually, you provide some of the perfect segue, um, as I, I think you guys have uh, known each other. Our next guest is... Uh, Pia Ortiz, Vice President of Franchise Development for Potbelly Corp. So say hello to Peter. Hi, Peter. Hi, everybody. Hey. Hey, I can relate to that potbelly part. (laughs) (laughs) I'm down 30, so I'm not. Fred, you're not going to ask me for advice for your granddaughter, are you? No, um, but I will warn you (laughs) now, since... Since my grandson is about six weeks old, there will be advice to Max um, because ah, otherwise okay. I might be gender favoring and mm-hmm. I live in California. Yeah. That, that can't be publicly known. But she does yeah, make the right. world stop. <laughs> Welcome, well, Mar- Peter. Well, Mar- thank you. Thank you. That's a tough act to follow, Mary Jo. I was taking all kinds of uh, notes here. It, uh, that was a very, very good conversation. <laughs> Thank yeah, you. Appreciate that. Um, if you can stick around, 
we're always happy to have you. If you got to drop off, we understand that too. Um, so, Peter. Glad to, glad to stay on. Excellent. We get to have some real fun today then. Peter, what's your favorite sandwich at Pop Ellie's? Oh, the, the Italian. I've been Italian. eating Italian for probably 20 years. <laughs> mm. Tasty. The number, one, the, number one, the number one sandwich there is the rat, but I'm, I'm an Italian guy. Okay, so I'm a roast beef guy. I always love that one. Ray, your yours, yours yep. favorite sandwich? Oh, wow. I haven't been to Potbelly, I'm sorry, in a, in a while, but I do enjoy their sandwiches. So uh, uh, I, I can't particularly – because I, I really don't I, – I simply love food, you know. It doesn't matter if it's the form of a sandwich or what, you know. I just love food, and, and uh, sometimes it's a tough choice, you know. You, you have to go into these places and find out, you know, uh, sometimes you have to ask, well, what's your favorite sandwich, you know. And the guy sure. behind the counter will let you know. <laughs> That's the one I usually get. Uh, we and, which, you have to put, make sure you put What's bacon on it, too. We have great bacon. Oh, bacon. Oh, um, yeah. So bacon we got to ask Mary Jo. Favorite sandwich, Mary Jo? Oh, my favorite sandwich. I got to say a turkey. Just I'm I'm not very exciting. Turkey. Turkey and <laughs> Turkey and cheese. <laughs> So we we, we got into dead. actually um, we, we so we got into food without going through pillars of weather. So where are you, and what's the weather yeah. like there? Well, I am in beautiful Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, if you'd asked me yesterday, I was in Naples, Florida. So I'm a snowbird, so I go back and forth between Florida and, and Ohio depending on the weather. So, but it's it's pretty nice here in Ohio on the banks of Lake Erie. Uh, we have about probably 85 degrees, low humidity. It's a good day. Uh, wow. Yeah, I'd rather do the Florida thing. <laughs> oh, it's it's about 100 degrees there in muggy. So yeah, uh, it, it, yeah it's no. not it's not fun. Yeah. It's not fun unless you're going to stay in the house all day. So. <laughs> yeah, but. I'm an ocean guy, or actually, I always like the Gulf of Mexico. So, how long have you sure. been at, at, at Potbelly's? Uh, I will be celebrating my one-year anniversary at the end of this month. So but they I've brought been in you into for about thirty years. So they brought you in to do what? They brought me in to reestablish our presence in franchising. Uh, actually, they really never really got to that point. Uh, we're primarily a, a corporate-run locate or corporate location business where we have about uh, 99% of our locations are corporately owned, where 10% are franchised. Uh, they started franchising probably 10 years ago, but really, you know, it's funny listening to Mary Jo. I mean, she was right because different franchisors look for different types of customers, and when they started, uh, they were looking for groups that were, you know mom pop type places where they were going to work the store and everything. And, and uh, what they found out was they, uh, they didn't grow very much. They would open one or two and that would be about it. Uh, they brought me in to establish more of a multi-unit, multi-segment customer, people who are going to come in and do a minimum of 10 locations and, and grow that. So then going back to Mary Jo question, uh, 
your folks are not going to the SBA to become a Potbelly's franchisee, are they? Not, re- not, not really. I mean, certainly we have financial vendors that we use, uh, but they're mostly – they're not going to use SBA. They're going to be you know, looking at much bigger price tag um, acquisitions, um, purchasing 20 to 30 franchises at a time, you know, things like that. So uh, these are much bigger buyers. Uh, in that area, so SBA is probably not one. But I don't know. I don't do. I don't do financial. You know, I do provide them. Uh, we have a great relationship with Chase Bank, uh, and we have some other vendors as well that I hand over to them. It's up to them. But the groups that we're selling to now are groups that already have a, uh, a firm relationship with their banking institution, and that's so they really don't need us too much. But if they ask, I have it. So then are your buyers, and Ray, you can jump in here anytime. Um, I, your buyers tend to be already successful in franchising. Pretty much. We, we just, um, our six-month uh, press release just came out, and uh, we've sold 38 franchises this year of those, there were only three groups in, of those 38. Uh, so each of them purchased 10-plus franchises apiece. And that, so uh, that's the buyer that we're looking for right now. Ray? That is a a different model than uh, most of the uh, people we have been interviewing. So uh, exactly how do you find people? uh, I I assume these are (laughs) usually more than one individual. It's probably a group of, of financial people who are looking to invest in something. Is that right? Sometimes it's it, it is. Sometimes it's families. Uh, you know, you know the, the way that I've been doing this for thirty years. So I've met a ton of mom and pops, and I've also met a, a great many multi-unit groups out there. A lot of them I've sold other franchises to in the past. These are groups that are looking to add to their portfolio. So uh, when I when I came to Pop Belly, uh, you know we are really an emerging brand because we, we only have about 50 franchises open today. Uh, you know, like I said, most of those locations that we have are corporately owned. Uh, so what the first thing I did was we had to set the whole brand up uh, because it didn't really have all the tools necessary to sell to groups like that. And then what I did is reach out to those individuals that I had done business with in the past that I think this would be a great opportunity for and that they would be looking at doing, as I mentioned 10 or more locations. And it, it, it's worked very, very well for us. Uh, since we started selling franchises uh, about six, seven months ago, we've turned down a lot of groups, uh, you know, because their interest was more or less to get in with one or two or three in large metropolitan areas. And that's just not what we're doing. Mary Jo made a great point earlier about, uh, you know, picking the right buyer, picking the right franchisee, uh, you know, someone that's going to fit in your culture, but also understands that the minimum criteria is a high level of operational expertise, uh, high level uh, in real estate construction, all the facets of, of being a successful multi-unit, multi-segment franchisee. And uh, what I have found in selling franchises for so long is that you cannot reduce the risk a hundred percent, but you certainly can reduce, reduce it a lot. If you that, have that kind of buyer, that you're working with. And it's been very successful for me. Uh, we have been very successful so far this year. Uh, my goal is by next year to be listed as one of the fastest growing franchises in the United States. 
I think that's quite possible. That uh, I, I was just looking online. Uh, apparently, I have three potbelly sandwich shops in my area. Uh, with that more than light, which which is which is the uh, Aurora Naperville area, which is sure. thirty miles west of Chicago, and that's a, uh, a, the, that, the one in Aurora is pretty nice. Is it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I you know I'm pretty sure I've been there, but you know, like I say, it's been a while. So more than likely, those three would be owned by the same person, or or would those be corporate or? Those are those are corp those are corporate locations, and I'll be sure to okay. send you Ray some coupons to. Help you with your pop out. How's that? All right. <laughs> you, just made Ray, you just made Ray's top just ten made list of pet cats. <laughs> Although one listener does take issue with your, um, they said that the, there's a nice breeze in Florida on the beach. So oh, ah, listening okay. in Florida. Hey, don't get me. Don't get me wrong. I love Florida. I moved to Naples for a reason. Uh, I don't. I don't do ice and snow or. Or anything like that, so uh, I, I I wouldn't mind being. I'll be actually just to let you know. I'll be I'll be back down in Florida around the 16th. So, okay. oh, it's still gonna be hot. It's still gonna be hot. Still gonna be hot. Still gonna be hot. It's my daughter's birthday, so I'm gonna go down and visit her. So somehow we've gotten Florida, uh, Minnesota, and and Cleveland, along with Aurora. Man, you people live in hot places. Yeah. <laughs> so, you're looking for multi-unit experience franchises. How's your own background um, come into play for finding people like this? Well, uh, just because I've been doing it for 30 years, I started uh, back in 1987, uh, and I got into food probably around 2001, and. Uh, found my niche with that, uh, found that, uh, you know, multi-unit owners are looking uh, for a good mechanic, a good franchise mechanic, someone they can trust that will help them negotiate a fair deal for both parties. And if you are able to have that relationship with these multi-unit groups, they'll call you again. And they'll, if you move to a different franchise, they'll want to know about that franchise because, because you become that point guard for them uh, in there. So, I was at Focus Brands for about seven years, and I was running uh, most of the sales for uh, Moe's Southwest Grill, Schlafke's, Carvel Ice Cream. Uh, came over here, like I said, a year ago, and have been able to do the same types of things here. Uh, it all starts with the brand. I mean, I'm not, you know, I can't say enough. Mary Jo talked about some great brands earlier. I was just at Orange Theory this morning, as a matter of fact. Uh, fitness is a, is a great category to be in. Uh, with food, you know, it, it, it starts with that brand. My daughter worked at Potbelly, she's 15 years ago. That was the first time I ac actually had a sandwich there. So you can pers basically say I'm in my dream job right now. So when you're passionate about a brand, it does help you sell the brand. And this is my favorite restaurant to go to. And uh, I'm lucky to be here because I, I truly believe uh, it has great aspects. And they just needed that point guard to come in here and help them market it nationwide. So what areas are you trying to grow most in geographically? Well, of course, you know, brand awareness is very important. So you want to be close to the areas that are strongest, uh, Chicago, uh, Washington, D.C., Texas. But I'll be honest with you, I'm gonna, that's only one area that I look in or, or, or one of the aspects that I use when I'm 
looking for franchise prospects. I will chase prospects as well. So, you know, if I know there's a great prospect in uh, Denver right now. We have uh, a group coming in from Denver right now. I found him. He didn't find me, did not know me from before. But we have 11 stores there. Not great brand awareness, but good enough to bring someone in like that. But we just sold Tampa, which has one location. Uh, we sold all of Vegas, which has zero locations. And we just sold all of the Carolinas, which only has three locations. So uh, what's great about our brand is that even in the markets that don't have our locations in it, it still has great brand awareness from all the stores that we have in the north, in Chicago, New York, uh, D.C., and things like that. But I'll go after anybody that has that that meets that criteria, you know, that uh, we're looking for when it comes to operational expertise and and success with multi-units and multi-segments. Right. Right. He's still thinking. He's still thinking about those coupons. Oh, Ray, you're talking, but we can't hear you. Okay, how about now? Sorry about that. Yeah, there we go, dude. You're scaring me. <laughs> Wait, I read oh. lips, Ray, so now let me answer that question. Yeah, so first okay. got to tell you, you got a thumbs up in a palm tree from our listener in Florida. Oh, good. <laughs> All right. Well, tell that listener we're going to be opening Peter. a lot more franchises there. Hey, uh, I just want to remind Peter about those coupons. I'm looking forward to receiving those. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> well, one, uh, you know, uh, in, the, in the course of, of, of setting up people we interview, we ask them to a- ask, you know, what kind of questions that we would like to ask you. And one of the ones you did ask us of was, the, what is the secret to staying relevant? And what did you mean by that? Well, what I meant by that was um, uh, it was about how I've been able to succeed or, or stay in this industry for 30 years because I've seen a lot of people come and go. So I wasn't referencing the franchise itself. I was referencing myself uh, with okay. that. But I can, I can talk about the franchise. I can talk about you know, what, what, what's helped me stay in this industry because the turnover is great. This is a tough business. I tell my wife every day that, you know, when I'm crying about something, you know, I chose this life and I choose to stay in it. I, I'm like Forrest Gump. All he can do is run. I, all I can do is sell franchises. And that's, that's what I learned. And I don't know if I could do anything else. Maybe I'll sell timeshare someday. But, uh, you know, this is a hard business. I mean, I probably work uh, 75, 80 hours a week. And if I work seven days a week, I looked at my wife today and I said, I have literally 140 hours of vacation unused. So, I mean, you know, it, it's, it's tough to do uh, this job. I don't recommend it to a lot of people, but, you know, I've, I've trained a great many people in this area. And I just tell them that they, they just have to work harder than the next guy. They have to be able to balance their lives. And I try my best. I have three children. I, I'm going to be a grandfather soon. You know, I'm awesome. trying my best. Yeah, it is, it is yeah. awesome. I can't wait. I'm, it's a girl. I have six sisters, two daughters. You know, a, oh, wow. a, a, an amazing wife. So I got a lot of women in my life. Um, but so that 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 being able to have that balance, which it looks not taking any vacations, it doesn't look like I'm doing very well with it. But <laughs> that's that's important. But you know, I mentioned this earlier, early on. You know, I only represent brands that that, that I care for, that I would actually eat at. 
And uh, my wife tells me I do have my dream job because I can go to I, I can go to Pop Belly, you know, anytime. I can eat their breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And, uh, and 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 it's amazing. I've been able to keep standard two hundred pounds. But uh, when I'm in Chicago, uh, when we have our discovery days, I, I I eat a lot. I eat a lot more. But uh, you know, one of the things that has helped me uh, with the success that I've had in franchising has to do with the experience that I've gotten over the 30 years and being able to think outside the box. And uh, it's like that insurance company. You know, we've done, we've done this before. We, you know, we've seen it, we've had it, we, we, we know how to handle it. And that's what I do. That's what I brought to this company. So when you're dealing with multi-unit, multi-segment uh, groups, you, you have to have that out box thinking. Every deal is different. Uh, you need to be able to be able to think about uh, what, what's going to you know, get them excited about it. And I've just been very successful uh, doing that. So going back to you, you know, Ray, and, and saying the, uh, the question that I was putting out there was, is, you know, how, I didn't know who the, who the listeners were going to be on this or, you know, who the buyers, sellers, whoever. But uh, when, if I'm talking to franchise people, you know, and they're listening to this show, they need to look at, you know, you know, that energy that they need to put into the position. They need to look at what type of brand, that they're going to represent and if they can be passionate about that brand and sell it. And most importantly, have that ability to just think outside the box because a lot of them can't, this is not a straightforward business. You need to be able to, uh, to understand the needs and wants of the franchisee prospect as well as what uh, the franchisor wants as well. And so it's just, it's just really important. So that's kind of why I was talking about that, right? I had a feeling that was uh, what you were talking about because I was just looking at your bio and it's very impressive. You've sold over 2,000 franchises over your career, and, and uh, you have uh, uh, you know lots of real estate experience and design, construction, and uh, legal and you know franchise administration. It's it's really impressive, and uh, I can see why you you will be a success at Potbelly. Well, thanks, Ray. I'm hoping to retire someday, but uh, no, it's, it's been a good. I, I I hear this a lot about what, when people talk about their life. I I have been blessed, but the thing is, is that I, I I've worked really hard, and uh, you know I've always spread my wings to go into other areas. And I was listening to Mary Jo today, and she knows a little bit about everything, which is great. And that's mm-hmm. what I try to be like, so that I can I can answer most of the question. I, I'm kind of an A to Z guy. But um, I, I, I can see myself bringing a Mary Jo in to answer questions about an FDD. I think she knows more about FDD than I do. But um, don't worry, we we'll get to this. This. <laughs> <laughs> No, you can't. You can't even answer me. Ask that question because she gave all my answers already. So that that's nothing you, else. It, I'm but, fine. Yeah, if yeah, you, yeah, but they're all relevant. You, I mean, they they need to be repeated because uh, you know people need to hear that over and over again. I'm not going to ask you a geek out question about the FDD. Um, okay. But so, but, but, but bring it, like I said, I, I won't do the, uh, well, it is the greatest cure known to mankind for insomnia. I've read a couple that man took me three reads to get through. Um, <laughs> but what do you recommend? Uh, I mean, uh, a multi-unit franchisee is, I, uh, is the people you're tar- targeting. So is there a difference in what a multi-franchisee, multi-unit franchisee should look at on an FDD and the guy that just put, 
buying his first franchise? Well, uh, you know, one of the things that stands out that, that comes up quite a bit is in the non-traditional area uh, where a multi-unit group purchases all of Tampa. Um, but within that circle that they purchase, there are hospitals, universities, uh, places that are we consider non-traditional airports. And uh, what comes up just about every time that multi-unit groups already know what to look for is uh, for them to have that ability to go into those because a lot of franchise agreements or FDDs have in there that they can't. So that's been coming up a lot. When I was at Focus Brands, it came up all the time. You know, um, I like to promote the fact that a franchisee can go into those areas, but a lot of franchisors, you know, want to deal with host or some of the other SSP, uh, some of the other uh, groups that handle more of the non-traditional area. And that that's something a little bit different that a multi-unit group would want to look at. What happens when you're dealing with a multi, a multi-unit group is that they've already read FDD after FDD after FDD after FDD. So they, they know exactly what they're looking for. Uh, you asked Mary Jo a question earlier about who reads an FDD. Uh, I make sure everybody does. As a matter of fact, they have to read the FDD before they come in uh, for their discovery day. So what we do is and what I've done for the last, say, 10 years, is I do an FDD review prior to them coming in for Discovery Day. Uh, the Discovery Day is an educated meeting. Not, not, it's not a novice. You know, you're going to meet with CEOs and, and COOs and CMOs. You want to make sure that the questions that uh, the prospect has are educated questions, and the only way to uh, get them that educated is to make sure that they read the FDD. But I agree with Mary Joe. A, a lot of them don't unless you force their hand. So what you're telling me is that meeting is done in the morning with large amounts of caffeine. <laughs> it's, I, I try to make it as exciting as eating at a pop belly, you know. So uh, and I and, and 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 I break it down. This is not a page by page thing. Basically, I have an overview of what's in the FDD, uh, and, and it's a pretty good overview that we go over each point. But you're right. It, it's I don't drink I don't drink coffee, but I drink a lot of Coke. So okay, uh, fair enough. that helps, helps me get through it. So I warn them prior to, but I can get through an FDD overview in about an hour, you know, I'm so also, uh, and, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm also assuming that if you're making them read the FDDs before they actually do this, I'm assuming you put a whole lot of people to sleep that way. <laughs> I do. I do. I, I, I can't say that I put a lot of people to sleep, but when you're dealing with the FDD, yeah, that's, it's, it's going to uh, be, uh, it can be a very sleepy concept. All right, so now I got a geeky question for you. Um, because okay. you deal with multi unit, uh, and one of the issues that some of the people I've been talking to have been seeing is that as the franchisees get larger and larger and they start to hit, uh, either cross that 25 person or hit that 50 person uh, mark, uh, HR issues become much more of an issue. The, and it seems that the franchisors are backed off. And I'll ask Mary Jane this after you're done, but because of joint employer uh, changes from administration to administration, um, what do you see are the big HR issues? Are there for multi-units? Well, you know, 
what's come up a great deal has has been you know minimum wage and, and things like that so that's i don't really hear a lot of the other stuff except for just labor in general so you have minimum wage and keeping good employees so when you're dealing with a qualified multi-unit multi-segment kind of group okay they're already ready for that they actually already pay their employers employees more so they're they're ready for it because in this day and age, labor is hard to come by good labor. And uh-huh. so what they do is they overpay the good players. They're very, they're not reactive. They're proactive. They don't wait for people to, to quit. They, they pay them well first. This is a smart multi-unit group that has 50, 100, 200, 300 employees mm-hmm. under them. So what they do from the top down, they overpay and when they overpay, they make more money in the long run because their stores are more profitable because they have the best employees. So when I hear, uh, you know, when I hear owners that are, you know, they have less than, they have one or two locations, they're having the bigger problems making that work. It seems like I said, the, the larger guys don't have that problem, but they will tell me, all of them will say, it's not the money that bothers them, it's getting the talent. And, and having to recruit constantly to, to maintain that talent. And they've been successful with it. Those are really, those are the only two conversations that I have uh, with multi-unit groups in regards to any issues that have to do with HR. Mary Jo, what are you seeing trends in HR for the franchising industry as a whole or that, you know, Franchise Times covers? Yeah, I would say that, um, you know, we're going to start, it's so important that we are going to start actually a separate section in Franchise Times um, in the September issue on HR and training. It's just become that big of an issue, and it's so important. As Peter says, it's like you got to get ahead of it, and you got to be doing things to retain those employees, especially in, a, in the restaurant industry where the turnover is typically pretty high. Um, but I do see... Um, training good employees. I think that's and keeping them and retaining them. We have so many. Uh, we have a there's there's we've reported on stories of owners, franchisees that also uh, on their own have done things like um, you know given a piece of the business to certain management parts people in their management team. Uh, that type of thing, that's happening a lot. And the franchisees are doing that themselves. That's not a mandated thing, of course. So they're, like uh, Pierre said, getting ahead of that. And I see that as one of the trends. But I I really look forward to our new section of Franchise Times just because this is going to be so important. It is so important for people because it is really hard to get labor right now. I, I know from one of our callers, you're going to be getting at least one request for a, a trial or, you know, free subscription to Franchise Times with that one. <laughs> well, we've added a reader. Yeah. I'm always happy to hear that. Um, Kevin, hey, yeah. uh, hey, Mary Jo, Kevin turned my subscription off. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will talk to him about that. I can't believe he would Well, it, and this is a coincidence. He actually reached out to me while we've been on this call to advertise <laughs> in the um, – Franchise times 200, so just you know. Oh, funny. Yeah, he didn't know I was on this call, so. So does that mean Kevin he's is our, it, Kevin is our, one of our advertising sales managers here. He's, he's really good. 
So my question now is that if he needs a new subscription, does that count as two new readers? <laughs> I think we're going to call him a renewed reader. Okay, no. I'm done with that. <laughs> right. I'm kidding. Kevin never cut me off, but I, was, it's, I, I, want, I always like to give him um, oh, business, crap. I guess. So. There, there goes our stats <laughs> down now, right? We'll have to work on this. You have the next so, question, my friend. I asked the, the HR All one, right. I, I know who's uh, really interested well, uh, in that. Uh, I guess this is sort of related because uh, you, your your franchisees are a totally different mindset than than uh, the normal one. So, how do things like support differ? Uh, in other words, uh, we were just talking a little uh, while ago about uh, Jimmy John's and how they send someone out. And, uh, to each of the individual uh, units and help them uh, see if they can improve the business. So how is support different with, with uh, uh, the franchises that are much more attuned and have uh, a greater acumen of what's going on in the franchise industry? That, that's an excellent question. It's, it's much easier to manage a group like that because they're already very well trained uh, matter of fact, uh, they're, in a lot of cases, they're teaching us new ways to do business. So, but um, they still need support. You know, they still need help with their real estate. They, they still need help with their construction and things like that. So uh, you have to have the appropriate amount of individuals supporting those groups. Uh, also, those individuals have to be very talented, very well, very well trained, especially when they're dealing with uh, larger owners because the expectation is much higher. So, um, you know, as we hire our staff, uh, our franchise business consultants and whatnot, uh, we make sure they understand who the customer they're dealing with, that this is someone who has franchise business consultants with other companies and whatnot. Uh, so there's, high expect there's higher expectations, but at the same time, they're easier to manage because they just understand. They don't have to be explained to or every facet of, of the business has to be explained to them. So, you know, for, in, for instance, when we send our marketing manager in there, um, they can share ideas on what, uh, what would be best for their geo, their grand opening. Whereas if it were a smaller new franchisee, um, they're just basically going to listen to what the marketing manager has to say and just go that route. So it's just right. a different type of customers. But the thing is, is that we, we don't want to, think that we're just eliminating support. We, we have to be there. We have to be for support, uh, there for support. Uh, what's great about what I get to do is, and I did something very similar to this at Focus Brands, is I'm involved in the process, you know, all the time. I don't, I don't go away. So basically, I'm in charge of the development side on the franchise, but I get involved with their real estate, their construction, any operations. If they can't get a hold of anybody, I tell them that, you know, I'm their third communication. So uh, it's always good to have a person like that, but we have such an amazing team at Pop Valley, uh, very well trained, and are 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 prepared to 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 take care of our existing franchisees and the number of franchisees that are going to be coming on in the next few years. So it's it's going to be exciting to watch. Something to uh, maybe maybe we'll get a story in the Franchise Times. <laughs> <laughs> I finally you never got know. that out, by the way. <laughs> yes, I, yeah, you never know. You never know. Yeah, yeah write an uh, article about this interview then. 
So I I, I got one one more question, real quick question. Wait, wait. Uh, it's kind of related. But, but wait a second, Fred. Let, yeah, we'll come back to it. Uh, let me get some. Com- yeah, let me get some commercials paid there, and tell the people on the website okay. you can ask questions. Um, and I actually do like the emojis coming through. Pretty hilarious. Or you can <laughs> dial in at 323-580-5755. That's 323-580-5755. You can get a copy of the Franchise MBA uh, for free by filling out the form on the website. And now a word from a sponsor. Zarian Firm International Business Brokers is truly unique in the business resale space. While the average business broker uses one standard multiplier across all businesses and industries to value a business, Zarian Firm is the only business brokerage that looks at the five factors of distinction in each individual business. This gives our sellers a true value and our buyers a fair price. Zarian offers sellers the choice of three marketing packages based on how quickly they want to sell their business but all of our businesses sell 33% faster than the industry norm. Zarian Firm International Business Brokers connects premium investors with validated business opportunities. Hey, franchise owners. How is your local marketing? Do you feel like you could use some help keeping up with your social media posts and comments and reviews? Do you wonder if you could be doing more to attract local customers? Are you able to identify new move-ins to your local area? At Westvine, we help franchisees like you reach more local customers through digital marketing. With daily monitoring, creative content, and ad placement, and customer data intelligence, We'll get your business in front of the people who want your products or services. We also work with franchisors who need an agency to handle the digital marketing for all of their locations. If you're ready to reach more local customers, give us a call at 805-265-5440 or visit us at westvine.com. That's 805-265-5440 or westvine.com. Uh, thanks, Michelle. As a reminder, um, if you want to talk to any of our franchisors, um, and we'll now add Mary Jo's email address in there. Um, if you want to talk to one of our franchisors or guests, you can fill out the form on the uh, website, and we can help you get connected to them, especially if you want to buy a franchise or so on for that matter. So, Ray, now that I evilly cut you off on your question, do you remember it? And let's bring it on, my friend. Oh, yeah, because this is the question I I, uh, originally disliked when people would ask me uh, about my business. Uh, But in reality, I began to like it more and more because I was able to to, uh, pretty much uh, tell them how much I I really liked what I'm doing, but and so the question is, and this, I think this is maybe especially relevant to the multi-unit purchaser, is why Potbelly, why that particular franchise, why do you want to invest the significant amounts of money in that particular franchise?
I'm sorry. Okay, right. You're asking. I forgot. I'm sorry. I missed that. You you want to know why they're why they want to buy right, our right. franchise or why? Well, um, okay. So there's a few things that uh, are a few ways I can answer that. The, the first is uh, we have a great brand awareness, which has created a cult following across the United States. I get probably I can't tell you how many inquiries come in a week that don't want to buy the franchise. They just want me to put a franchise in their market. Because yeah. they, they can't get pop belly anymore. I mean, so uh, that's why we just sold one in Tampa. We just sold 13 and or we sold 15 in Tampa. We sold 13 in North Carolina. These people want to eat this food. Uh, so that brand awareness um, has, has really helped us uh, for that. The other thing is that because we're so, you know, we're heavy in Chicago and Illinois. We're heavy in Minnesota. We're heavy in D.C. and Virginia. We're heavy in Texas. There's so many areas across the United States that don't have any. Even though we're in 30, I think, 34 states, we may have one or two in each of those states. So we're just heavily in those areas. So what a lot of franchise prospects look for is availability. So when I tell them, go with a group right now out of Atlanta, they're like, well, we just want all of Atlanta. Well, of course, I'm not sure we want to sell you all of Atlanta. I think we lost you a little bit there, Peter. You guys there? Yeah. There we there. Go ahead. Oh, I'm, there. I'm sorry. My my headset okay. my headset gave out. Uh, so basically, what I was saying is the availability of territory is also very very appealing to them. Uh, they're probably with a brand that they can't expand anymore. So they want find they want to find new areas that they can go into. With with Pop Belly, we have most of Florida available, most of Georgia, all of California, uh, you know, all of Arizona. I mean, there's so many different areas across the United States that these groups are looking for. So you put those couple things together with a great product and numbers that work, they're, they're, they're coming in. Uh, it, it, the, the thing, the hardest thing is, is getting groups in that don't know the brand uh, to uh, Chicago. Once they get to Chicago, uh, they're basically in if they get approved by us. So those are some of the, the bigger things um, and why they're looking at our brand. Excellent. Okay. So, um, as we've been talking about this, um, we've been talking about brand growth, and you actually said something earlier that uh, franchise-wise, you're actually an emerging brand. Okay, so um, my question is, and uh, we'll, we'll have Mary Jo answer just from what she sees in the industry, but what does it t- take uh, for an emerging brand to go to the next step? Well, I have to tell you, when, when I got to when I got to Pop Belly, I've been doing this for so long, you can see what a brand doesn't have. I mean, the basics. I mean, you know, everything from the collateral material that they have, uh, the advertising campaigns that they're running, uh, their involvement in national, uh, national uh, events, you know, like multi-unit finance show in November, uh, places like that. This, uh, when I got here, this company was not doing any of that. So you need to, you need to be in a position where you're in their face. Okay. That means that, uh, that when they think of going to a franchise, you're there. Like when we advertise in Mary Jo's magazine, uh, we just wanted an award about her fact, Mary Jo, thank you so much. We just wanted an award uh, for the July, August <laughs> magazine uh, for an ad that I wrote. And uh, in that ad, we, apparently we got a, a lot of clicks on it and whatnot. So thank you very much for that. 
the fact is, is that when they think of a franchise, you need to be in their face. And to do that, you need to make sure that you have the budget that can get into their face. You have to attend these national events. Uh, you have to sit on panels. You have to, you know, if you can speak at these events, you have to have a booth. Uh, you have to have good collateral that they're going to keep. Uh, you know, all, all those things go into it. But the, the, the real big thing is that, um, that I have, you know, done, you know, with, with this brand and other brands that I've helped is that I don't forget what the goal is. And the goal is to sell franchises. So the biggest mistake that emerging brands can do is focus on the things they don't have and just stop selling. We have, you know, I, I like to believe that we build the plane in flight. So when I got to Pop Belly, we just started, we started putting everything together. I have a great support, uh, support staff. Our CEO and our SVP have been so very supportive in providing me the tools that I need. We were able to put these things together quickly, but I never stopped reaching out to multi-unit uh, groups and saying, hey, this is what we're doing. You know, we, there, there was a time that we couldn't even sell, send a brochure out. We didn't have it. But I kept, I kept working it. So a lot of emerging brands will say, let's just let's get all these things first, and then we'll start selling. Well, no, you can't do that. If you have a great product, a great brand, why not tell the world about it? You're just going to have to pick up the phone more to do it and, and, and get it done. Uh, in one year, we were able to uh, put everything together for Pop Belly. So as I mentioned, we are in the magazines we are we are at the at the events. We're trying to speak at different events if we can get in. But never did I ever not uh, ever stop calling franchise. We were calling franchise uh, prospects the first day I got there. So so that's just being very active, remembering what the goal is, and the goal is is to expand your brand. And and you can't. Ne it's never going to be perfect. So you always have to just just go with what you got and just and just keep going. You know, and then you'll build it. And, and, and like I said, in one year, we have everything we need uh, to move forward with this brand. And we'll, you know, you know, like I said, so far this year, we have 38 franchises sold uh, and a number of other groups that we're talking to across the board. And a matter of fact, just so you know, this just came out. Um, we just signed a four-unit agreement with Macy's. So um, that just happened today. So we're hoping that that will expand. Yeah, I, we're hoping that will expand nationwide. We don't know, but for right now, uh, that that's that was just signed today for uh, four units in Macy's. Congratulations! Well, thank you. Yeah, we're very excited about that. Great. Mary Jo, not comment on Macy's and your answer to the question: What's it take for a, a emerging brand to get to the next level? Um, I would say, well, I think uh, what Peter was talking about is is totally correct. Um, I think. You know, bringing somebody, first of all, bringing in somebody like Peter, they've got to do that. And I think that is uh, something sometimes emerging brands don't want to do because it, you know, it's a little bit more expensive, but Peter's got experience. He knows people. So bringing in somebody that has those connections. So years and years, as he mentioned, and I see this with um, franchise development, folks all the time is that they have those contacts and so you know they've sold a franchise to somebody and that person trusts them now they're at your brand they're going to trust them again and a lot of these franchise development people are very choosy about where they work and who that they'll, who they'll represent 
because they have a reputation after years of doing this. So I, I think um, uh, having someone like Peter, and I'm not just saying that because Peter's on the phone, but it really is true. And then um, it really, you, know, you have to invest that money. I think emerging brands as well, um, especially a founder-led brand, sometimes and it's, it can be painful or it can be great, Sometimes the founders need to know when to bring in another team to help them grow and maybe step out of the way a little bit because they can get it. They're the one with the vision. They're the one with the idea. They're the ones who brought this from 1 to 50 or 1 to 100. But now maybe they need help on getting it to the next level. We see a lot of emerging brands that never make it to that next level because, and they get stuck around in that 50 to 100 spot because they don't know how to do it. And they're probably undercapitalized as well. So I think that bringing in experienced people and if you're a founder, maybe knowing when it's time for you to step aside for a new management team to take you to the next level doesn't mean necessarily getting out of the business, but bringing in those people that can help you get there. Uh, more work-life balance for the founder. Hey, Ray? Oh, that's right. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. Hey, uh, Mary Jo, uh, I think I want to hire you. Can you work with me? <laughs> okay. <laughs> we'll talk offline. Okay. <laughs> God, I love this. All right, Ray. Um, I'm, I'm questioned out here, my friend. Uh, Okay. You, well, I got you, one more question I want to uh Well, I got here. one more, too, so I'll let you, you know, deal with yours. Okay. All right. Uh, and I, I realize we may have covered some of this, but if you can kind of uh, encapsulize, what, uh, how would you characterize your typical investor in Potbelly? Our typical investor uh, is going to be someone, as I mentioned, uh, that is a multi-unit group, uh, someone who has a great deal of experience uh, in operation expertise. As a matter of fact, uh, when we do our discovery days, if you don't bring your head of ops with you, we won't do the meeting. You're the head of your operations person is by far the most important. We are, Pop Belly is all about operations. We've had to cancel meetings where uh, the person didn't show up uh, the night before and they were trying to walk into the meeting without that person. That person is very key. In addition to that, uh, we're looking for people who are experienced in the real estate and construction area. Uh, just to give you an example, the groups that we've already sold to, uh, you know, are probably, and I'm not saying for sure, but I mean, each of them will have multiple locations probably open before the end of the year. And, and you can't do that if you don't have that background in that. So, and of course, then uh, you know, then after the store is open, they they have a marketing uh, expertise as well. I mean, they're they're basically reducing the risk of business by having all of those uh, over the years of experience of ownership uh, to bring to the table. That's you know, I, I wish I could sell to everybody, um, but there's this is such a high risk business that you have to deal with the people that reduce that risk as much as possible. And uh, a matter of fact. Uh, ego plays a big part too. I, I like working with groups that can say they can do it better than us, you know, and they do all the time. <laughs> they say, Hey, if you get, if you make this much, I can make this much. Well, I didn't say that. I'm not making an earnings claim, but they say it to me. They also can walk into a building, which just amazes me. And they'll walk into one of our locations and count ceiling, uh, ceiling tiles and say, 
how much does this cost to build? I'll tell them, and they'll say, I can build it for this. I mean, that's, that's someone that knows what they're doing. It makes my, listen, it makes my job a lot easier, but at the same time, it's hard to get them. There's so much competition out there. I mean, Mary Jo just mentioned a number of them early on. I'm competing with everybody. So it's very, very difficult to do it. But once you get them in uh, and, and, and get them to a discovery day and whatnot, then they can see what this brand can do for them on a nationwide basis. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. So, uh, an apology. It appears our erstwhile co-host Ms. Ford's flight got canceled, so she's been sitting in, in a airport for the last couple of hours. So, hopefully, she'll be back for next week. So, oh, yeah. um, I'll take my last question, and then Ray, you can ask your last question. Um, okay. So uh, this this is uh, the Addison version, but for my grandson, uh, who's really cute and smiling, and you'll get it very soon, uh, Peter. You'll get it really <laughs> soon. Um, it's the, the Max question. So, um, what would you tell my grandson uh, as he's growing up on how to be successful? Well, I will tell him uh, first of all. You know, I mentioned earlier I had six sisters. Uh, two daughters, powerful mom, an awesome wife. Uh, so basically, I've never really been in charge, <laughs> but I was well trained. Uh, so, so tell 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 your grandson that that women rule the world. I'll tell you that right now. So, and, and I firmly believe that I have I have so many powerful women in my life that uh, uh, they have taught me how to respect women. They 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 taught me to acknowledge them. As a matter of fact. Uh, I've trained many, many people in this industry in 30 years, and my best trainees have been women. So tell him uh, that um, women are very strong, powerful, and just as powerful as a man will ever be. And that so uh, that has helped me become successful. Uh, the second thing that I would say is uh, treat everybody right. Uh, I don't care what position they have. Uh, they could empty waste baskets or they can be the CEO of a company. Treat everybody the same and you'll be very successful. I, I do this. Uh, you know, my mom was a cleaning lady. My dad uh, worked in an assembly line at a Ford motor plant. We had nine kids in my family. Uh, we had very little money. Uh, and, and they, but the good thing that the best thing that they taught me is, is, is integrity, how to treat people. And it has, it has carried me to where I am today. And I'm very happy to say that, uh, that, that I have treated people a lot better than I've been treated in my life in that. So I think that, that, that needs to be understood as he gets older and understands that. Okay, so my first comment is you can never treat Chicago politicians the same as other people. Man, those guys will take your wallet in a heartbeat, wallet, paycheck, anything they get their hands on. The My second comment is, Mary Jo, do you have any argument with um, Peter's comment that women rule the world? <laughs> Peter's a very smart man. That's all I've got to say about that. <laughs> I am, Mary Jo. I really am. <laughs> By the way, my wife is listening to this whole thing, so just so you guys all know. So. There you go. <laughs> okay, now we understand. <laughs> Ray, you got the last question, my friend, and then we're out. All right. Well, uh, my last question to you, Peter, was uh, basically uh, how you characterized your your uh, uh, prospects in, into the franchise, the multi-unit franchise. So I, I've got to ask you, so then basically – how does that 
type of person get a hold of you? How how can they, you know, uh, if they're interested in going into the pot belly business, no, wait, that's probably sandwich business. <laughs> How do they get a hold of you? You know, what, what is your what is your uh, your means of communication? Well, I will tell you, this is kind of funny. Um, you know, I don't have a free subscription to give away today, but I would like them Damn. to contact me directly. Uh, my uh, email address is peter dot ortiz at potbelly dot com. Uh, my my cell phone number is. Six one four three nine seven five eight one one, and there's a funny story behind that because when I got to Pop Valley, I was with my um, my SVP uh, Jeff Welch, and uh, he says, "Whose number is this?" On all the swag, thousands of pieces of swag. I go, "Oh, that's my number." Well, why is your number on here? I go, "Cause I want them to call me. I'm a one I'm a one man team on the development side, so I want them to call me." I don't want them to get lost, uh, you know, in the shuffle. So uh, everyone has my contact information. I'm not afraid to give it out. The same number I've had for 20 years, uh, you know, because I want to talk to everybody, whether there's someone who is, is contemplating one unit or 100 units. Even though we can't sell to everybody, I still want to talk to everybody. So anyone on your show, just like Mary Jo said earlier, uh, if you have a question and you don't want to make a mistake, I'm, uh, give me a call, and, and I will talk to you about it. There are many times where I've said to my wife, I wish that group called me first. Free advice to tell them what not to do in this industry from 30 years of experience. I'm a, I'm a good mechanic when it comes to franchising and that. So, But I still want to answer the apocalypse question because I had an the most important question of the whole session. Exactly, because I am going to jump. I'm going to, I'm going to follow Mary Jo's lead on this because I, I also like Italy. But to, to fend off the apocalypse, I would like to be on the island of Capri so I'm surrounded by water and no one can get to me. So, or, or Alcatraz, you pick. So uh, uh, I, I, I watch I watch I watch Walking Dead with my wife. So I know you have to be in a you have to be surrounded by water or be in a very high building to uh, to survive. So yeah. anyway, that's go. my answer. Excellent, I'm, excellent answer. I'm down with that. <laughs> Man, talk about going out on a real high point, right? Can't can't do there better than the zombie apocalypse one. Um, <laughs> Coming to the end of our time, folks, I want to thank Mary Jo Larson, publisher of Franchise Time and Times, and uh, Peter Ortiz of VP of Franchise Development for Potbellies. Uh, folks, you can get a uh, free subscription or coupons, I'm hearing, um, <laughs> at Potbellies <laughs> because of the show. Uh, thank you both Absolutely. for being on the show. It's been great fun. And remember, folks, be profitable, be good, and avoid the zombies. Hey, Ray? <laughs> All right. Yeah. Thanks, everyone, for being on the show. I really appreciate Thank it. You. Yeah, we, Thanks yeah, for having we, uh, me. We, yeah, we enjoyed it. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Have a great evening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>